0: Hello everyone, this is Luke. Before we get started with the show today, I'd like to let you all know that I still have a couple spots open on my Panama tour this summer from June 14th to the 21st. It's with the Teraloca Foundation, and all proceeds will go to disadvantaged girls in Sikkim, India. The tour is open to beginner and intermediate birders, and will be aiming to get people good looks at and photo opportunities of a large array of tropical species, from killbilled toucan to snowcap and golden hooded tanager. More information and pictures will be linked in the podcast description, and you can reach out to my email at ldtbirds37 at gmail.com to sign up. Anyways, on to the show.
1: All right, all right, all right classic start. Uh, yeah. Welcome back everybody to the Back to Birding podcast. This is Patrick Higgins. This is Luke Thompson. <laughs> Welcome back to Back to Birding. Um, we hope everyone had happy holidays. I know it was a good break for me. And I'm sure I can say the same for you, Luke.
0: Yeah, it was good. Got to, you know, get a little time off. Yeah. Not as, as busy as the school year. Get some birding in. So,
1: yeah. So, you doing traveling?
0: Nope. Think about the farthest I traveled was to H- Hiawassee Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. Just not didn't work with the schedule. Yeah, with work. So,
1: what about you? you? I did a lot of traveling. Um, it, var- it was a very busy break. It was um, restful, but I went to Kentucky. Spent a lot of time with the extended family there, and my immediate family lives here in tennessee just outside of nashville but my girlfriend's extended family lives in alabama so i hopped all around going to those three places but was
0: it like a consecutive thing or was it like i'm in kentucky then nashville then back in kentucky then alabama then kentucky then nashville type and, uh, it,
1: it, it was uh, a few days at each spot Luckily, so that's good that's yeah that that helped out but yeah some some fun birding in between what was the, the highlights? Um, I had a couple really uh, exciting birds, actually. Um, both were around Nashville. Um, I had a black-headed grosbeak, beak, which was a lifer. And
0: I think less than 10 state records?
1: Uh, yeah, around that I think there was a big surge in the 70s. Um, but... All right. I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for whatever reason but um yeah i think that was potentially the first davidson county record which is nashville um but that was just in somebody's backyard at their feeder so that i didn't have to work too hard for that one but a beautiful little bird and i was uh, very excited to get my bins on um, what is a blackheaded gross grosbeak? Man, I probably know less about this species than you do, honestly. <laughs> uh the one we had was a juvenile slash female, so um it was relatively drab. Um there was a little bit of yellow um on the shoulder, but you know. Yeah uh, overall just kind of brown and pale. But Yeah, so
0: if you're an Eastern listener, which I'm sure most of you are, blackheaded grosbeaks are the close relative to rose-breasted grosbeaks, which is a species that, at least here in Tennessee, we get pretty regularly in the spring and the fall. They breed a little bit in the mountains um, to the east of us, but they mostly breed farther north of Tennessee. And so they're related to cardinals, and they're related to tanagers, if you know those or our tanagers, not true tanagers. that's yeah. uh, complicated stuff but (laughs) story for another day story for another day yeah when i go to panama and see real tanagers we can talk about tanagers (laughs) um yeah it's a it's a species of bird related to cardinals they have a massive thick bill that's about rose breasts have a massive thick bill it's pale um all gross beaks for that matter yeah That's gross beak. And in fact, a lot of gross (laughs) beaks aren't even closely related. They just have big bills. They're just, so they're called gross beaks. But the male, or um, rose-breasted gross beak, has sort of a black plumage on top with some white intermixed, um, That big pale bill, and then it's white underneath with a rose breast. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hence the name. Beautiful bird. And then the females are more brown and streaky overall. And then a black-headed grosbeak, which is super closely related, and they actually hybridize,
1: I believe. Yeah, the, the female of both species looks very similar. Uh, the underwing is yellow on a, or there's a patch on the armpit that's yellow on a black-headed. That is the easiest way to quickly distinguish the two species, but they are very similar.
0: Yeah, and then the males are like, or the breeding males at least, are a stunning, like, bright orange and even yeah. blackhead, and yeah. So, but yeah, that's a that's a very good bird for the state, another western
1: species. Yep, that was that was a lifer for me. So congratulations. Yeah, that was that was a nice little um, high five before Christmas. But also, I had a Harris's sparrow, which is one of the most beautiful sparrows that I think I've ever seen. But I sadly did not even <laughs> get to see it. Um, I was, was about to say,
0: you've <laughs> never seen one. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, that is true. I uh, I got a mm, three-second, you know, audio sighting. <laughs> but so it had been reported at the spot where it, it had been seen that every evening, as soon as the sun was down and it was dark enough to where you couldn't actually see anything, Um <laughs> That's when a big surge of white-throated and white-crowned sparrows started chipping, as well as the Harris's sparrow. And just so happens to be the case for whenever I found it, (laughs) Um, which was about a week ago now. It came out and got some identifiable call notes, and it was gone. And I never actually saw it, so hopefully in the future i can get a, a little bit of a cleaner sighting but i'll take it
0: yeah hey it's still a good bird yeah um yeah i've never i've never seen or heard one so and so harris's sparrows they are i believe the only bird that breeds exclusively in canada which is an interesting little fact there <laughs> that is a fun fact <laughs> and um, interesting they they winter sort of great plains we get a couple every year in, in tennessee in the western portion of the state there's been a, a few records around our area but none in this county in hamilton county that's one that i think could easily show up it's a great plains breeder or not breeder uh, winters in the great plain great plains and breeds up in canada mm. and it's in this genus of Sparrow zona i believe is i don't know if that's the proper pron- pronunciation zonos mm. yeah. um and so many of you will be familiar with the white-throated sparrow um, or the white-crowned sparrow. It's in that same genu- genus. Again, sparrows are brown with some patterning yeah. on the face. <laughs> I I think they're beautiful, but a lot don't. Yeah. So, it,
1: Whenever you start to really pay closer attention to the sparrow species, they quickly draw you in.
0: But yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me what my opinion on the most beautiful bird in the world was. And, like, in the top three was, like, Lacan Sparrow, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think Lacan's is top three in the world now, that in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was birds that I had seen. That, yeah. that was the question. But, yeah, Harris's Sparrow. And they're, like, massive compared to the other Xenotrichas, apparently. I've never seen one. But, again, mm. apparently they are just, like, hunks of Sparrows.
1: And they have this sort Probably of... Probably similar to the White Crown, how they just kind of seem to dwarf other sparrows apparently
0: austin was saying uh this is austin's guy from idaho we were just uh saw him at chasing a bird that i'm i'm sure we'll we'll get into a little bit later but he was saying that harris's sparrows even dwarf white crowns wow and harris's sparrows have sort of a nondescript face it's it's more like a a pale like tan brown in the winter gray and the uh in the summer and with in, in the breeding the adults have a black throat and a gray face versus in the non-breeding they have a tan face but still have that that black throat and then they also have a black crown both in breeding and non-breeding uh, and then they have a
1: pink bill which is really cool yeah. and they're a beautiful bird really a, a striking sparrow but
0: yeah i really want to see one
1: but hey, yeah. eh, congratulations yeah, me too <laughs> i also want to see one but i'll take a a heared one, so a heared one. Yeah, good English. <laughs> Thanks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, any any other birding over break? Um, I, I tried to do a little um, push to get my my year list for the state up a little bit right before the end of the year, and um, got my first state barn owls, which were really cool. I was very happy about that. Um, got a couple pictures I'm happy with, but, um, whenever you do find those guys on a roost, a day roost, it's, it's really special to get to sit there with them. So, yeah, that's amazing. That was, that was great. And I know you had a run in with barn owls as well. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll get into the, that in a second. I know we had a listener ask about just like what the lists are in general. Um, someone who's a beginner, um, so lists are just the list of species that we have so that may be in the year that it can go on multiple different levels but what he's talking about the list of species he's seen he's seen in the state for 2023 yeah. um, but you can go that life list in the world so every single species you've seen for your life in the world and down to county level so that's that's yeah. what the lists are for those that may not know and yeah but i did have a, a great experience with barn owl over the over the break, so every year I start out. This will just this will be a, a bit of just about the Hiawassee CBC. Yeah. So every year I start out the year by going um, up to Hiawassee Wildlife Refuge, which is one county north of us, and about a, an hour or so from us. Yeah, a little, roughly. a little, a little under yeah. an hour, I believe. And so every year I go up there for January first and pretty much bird the whole day. And we are actually allowed to walk on the refuge proper, which people normally aren't allowed to mm. uh, during during the season when the cranes are there. But for the CBC, we get to walk the refuge. And so it's it's a relatively low effort count. It's not like extremely organized or anything. Mm. It's sort of just a few people go out, have a little day of birding, and get get a few birds. But i was like i want to get a lot of birds (laughs) and so i yeah i went up the night before got there a little before the sun was setting and got to watch all the cranes come into roost i had 78 i believe turkey vultures over uh, the tennessee river or maybe it was the hiwassee it was right where they converge which is a lot of turkey vultures normally it's in my experience at
1: least uh, it's black vultures that outnumber the turkeys yeah i, I think in our little pocket of tennessee it's definitely the case yeah but, uh, those those numbers definitely fluctuate across the state and i think for sure yeah because
0: i mean where where i'm look out the window right now give me two seconds And I just, I just looked at a hundred black vultures (laughs) because they are roosting on a tower that's like less than a quarter mile from us right now. So yeah, it was, that was interesting to see that. Um, just the opposite of what I'm normal to down Mm -hmm. here at at Baylor. And then I had a Northern red-tailed hawk, which was sick. Um, only I think my third in East Tennessee. So that's a subspecies of, you know, the red-tailed hawk that's, one of our most common hawk species if not the most common Mm -hmm. and um, pretty much everyone knows what that a red-tailed hawk is and so there's a bunch of subspecies it's a little bit messy a lot of it i don't think is actually fully described to science and it's it's kind of all over the place yeah it's
1: it's tough but mark green is definitely one of the best at knowing all those yeah, it's Mark
0: Mark Green is a West Tennessee birder who I'm pretty sure listens, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So for shout out, shout out, Mark Green. So <laughs> yeah, he he's pretty interested in that, and he he sees a lot of those subspecies. And it's um, his um,
1: favorite bird, actually, um,
0: the red-tailed hawk. <laughs> not surprised. I'm yep. sure it inspires a lot of us to yep. look at the subspecies because seeing those reports is what did it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, I saw a red-tailed hawk, and I was like, wow, that doesn't look like our normal eastern birds that breed around here and most of the winter birds we get and so it was it was a northern which is a little bit darker so red-tailed hawks have this band of brown color on a white uh, belly or most of ours around here do they get dark more out west which are all dark but with a northern that band of dark color is much thicker and more pronounced so and then they have northerns also typically have a, a dark throat and then they have color dribbling down the throat I don't like that <laughs> way of describing it <laughs> But... Dribbling. Have you... You've heard that, right? I have not. Really? First time, yeah. <laughs> I think, like, dribbles or something. I don't know, because yeah. I guess it looks like it's coming... Dripping out of the mouth. I don't, know. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I don't love it. But basically, just some mark, brown markings going into the white. And it's what is that subspecies? Northern. Abi, the cola. Yeah. Uh, according to Timlin's people up in New York, call them beadies, which I love.
1: Beadies, It's a little easier to say. Yeah.
0: So... And then they have a more marked-up underwing compared mm. to your normal eastern Borealis red-tailed hawk. So that was, that was pretty cool. And then and that was one of my last birds of the year. And then I, I slept that night in the parking lot at Hiawassee in the car and actually got a fantastic night of sleep. <laughs> and cranes never stop calling, by the way, through the night. there was...
1: Sandhill crane is the loudest bird in the world. Really? Like yeah. scientifically? Like scientifically. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I'm I, surprised you slept well.
0: I'm lucky to be a deep sleeper. So, <laughs> and I love the sound of cranes. It's kind of magical. We oh, should yeah, probably definitely. play a little clip of it in here yeah. for, for those that haven't heard it. So it. It's a little scary, but it's also magical whenever you're there with them. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I I love it. Um, and so, I mean, there's around... there's several thousand cranes so oh yeah it's it's kind it's pretty loud
1: and occasionally there's something a little bit more special mixed in one time ever there's never been a common crane there yeah which is shocking to me but but whooping cranes Oh, whooping cranes. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, i I believe I have a three three crane checklist from there when I was six <laughs> when there was a hooded crane. And I didn't know the hooded crane was there. Oh, so really? but I remember seeing it and because they were talking about it and showing it to people. Mm-hmm. And then a hooded crane, which was the first record in the in the states, I believe or one of the first records in the States. And then... Holy
1: cow, I didn't realize that.
0: Yeah, and then whooping crane, which was formerly more regular, still one or two every year, I believe. And Mm. then obviously sandhill cranes. But whooping cranes are an endangered species, maybe even critically endangered. I'm not sure. I Uh, don't
1: know that any of the the ones we have um, regularly migrating are actually countable. Um, I I think I that think they may have decided that they were I don't know really I know that the ones that migrate um, through the Port Aransas Texas area are but those are those are the populations that
0: were that's like the population that's self sustaining yeah. so
1: yeah and I think the ones that we have at Wheeler National Wildlife Refuge and here at Hia- Hiawassee National Wildlife Refuge. If it's national, I don't know. Is, is, I think, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I don't think those are self-sustaining, so. Yeah, um,
0: I, they may have been at a point and they called them. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I've had that conversation where someone was like, yeah, you can count it, but
1: I don't know. Uh, I feel like it would probably show up on your life list, but it's, I don't yeah, know it's, that it would, uh, to what extent it would be contributed to data, but that's yeah. very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, and I mean. Yeah, those those birds, they were trying to start a population and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the largest crane in the world, right? One of them, at least. It's yeah. it's a massive white bird with black wingtips and some red on the head. It's, it's really cool. Gorgeous. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I, I went to sleep that night with cranes. There's a, a beautiful sunset. And then I woke up at midnight with to some uh, fireworks going (laughs) off because midnight on New Year's Eve or I guess New Year's Day. And phyxanical cranes were the first bird that I had for the (laughs) year, which I've been doing this count since 2016 or 2017. I've always wanted them to be the first bird of the year and always failed because I drive up and the count normally starts around 8 a.m. And then the first bird always ends up being like ring build goal or like a rock pigeon or crow or something (laughs) yeah song sparrow one year because the car broke down on the side of the road it's a story for another day Mm. um typical (laughs) yeah so that like they were calling when i woke up and it was like crane first bird of the year yes and then about 20 seconds later a great horned owl was going off right outside my car so that was a, a great way to start around midnight. Did a nice. little little stationary checklist there, listening.
1: Great about horned owl was my first bird of the year as well. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's up at Chris Agee's house. Sweet. Yeah. But I didn't quite have sandhill cranes there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And uh, had the great horned owl, went back to sleep, woke up at 4 a.m., made some coffee and tried to force myself to eat breakfast but I wasn't that hungry (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't have a high-quality breakfast so I just sort of went off and started looking looking for owls and I had already had great horn and the second owl I had was barn so I have never had a barn owl in this area of the state it's a bird that surely breeds pretty regularly and probably breeds in in hamilton county but there hasn't been a solid record well actually there was a jan jacobson record back in uh, 2019 maybe but mm. maybe 2020 flew in front of his car like downtown type thing <laughs> like crazy what but there's still pellets and whitewash apparently up in snow hill road so we should oh, go yeah. out there yeah, definitely. um but yeah barn owls are a species of bird that's in every continent except for Antarctica, I believe. I, I, think, I think that's right. I th- I'm not sure if they're in Australia, but they are actually not a true owl. They are in their own own family, the barn mm-hmm. owls. Um, <laughs> tito Yeah, Taito. And yeah, they're, they're a pretty cool bird, um, sort of pale, ghostly, yeah. white underneath. It's like a, uh, a toasted
1: marshmallow. Exactly. Thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Imagine a toasted marshmallow, but if it was an owl,
1: yeah. and, that's, and that's barn owl. Just let your imagination run with that, because it's, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs>
0: there was a. they typically roost in either silos or old barns, but silos are pretty reliable places mm. for them. And I've heard that they like to be by fields and, and ponds, and there is a fantastic field next to a pond, and... I looked at that and I've always looked at that and there's got to be thought there's got to be barn owl on that.
1: Was, was there a silo? A yeah,
0: there's a silo right next to the pond down the field. Oh man.
1: It's pretty, pretty perfect. Yeah.
0: So we've always looked in it and never seen it, but I just played the tape when I, when I walked up and originally I, I didn't hear any response. So mm-hmm. I was like, Hmm, I guess it's not here. Turned on my car and, uh, it flushed and I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, it's a barn owl. Um, and then I just continued down the road doing tape for screech and barred owl, got barred owl pretty easily. Unlike with the, the Chattanooga Christmas bird count. Yeah. Did a couple tries for, for Northern sawwood owl, but without a method that I had have recently learned from Victor Stoll. that is apparently the the best method to get them. He's been getting them pretty re- reliably. I, him you know. and
1: Ruben both. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, uh, I think maybe unofficially, but on a, uh, a really solid mission to find a bunch of northern sawwet owls um in their part of the state this winter, so yeah, and they're having a lot of luck, which a is lot of luck. I exciting. know
0: Victor tried in Harding County and failed, hmm. but that was low country, so maybe that had something to do with it, but yeah the habitat actually looks fantastic up there for sawwet, so hmm. i was I was hoping, but no luck. There's a bunch of really thick cedars and some, some fields. So
1: yeah, I'm sure long-eared is possible as well.
0: Yeah. We'll speak about that (laughs) in a little bit too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I played that tape. I didn't, I got the bird come in to come in, but I didn't really see it super well, Uh, but I, I identifiable looks Mm -hmm. and then I kept driving. I got barred owl. I failed to get screech owl and saw it out, but on the way back, I was just driving back on the same road and there was a raptor on the wire. And it was the barn owl, and let me get within ten feet eye level before it flew oh away. My goodness. It was insane. That's that's once in a lifetime. Yeah. Wow. It was it was wild. And then I I uh, played the call, hoping it would come back in after it flushed just once. I didn't want to stress it out because I already played a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of flew over my head and g- gave a screech. That <laughs> was really 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 cool. Jeez and then i then i proceeded to go get screech owl so i got a 4 hour sweep which was that's which is pretty good wow yeah probably the first time that's been done on the highwasy count maybe so i'd believe it because no one really owls for that count really <laughs> but yeah i i tried and failed to get woodcock on a what is typically a very reliable mm. spot but it was it was windy which wasn't ideal yeah
1: that makes it hard
0: and yeah, actually, I've never missed them at that spot before, but I missed Woodcock for both the, the chat and the Hiwassi CBC. Probably doesn't mean anything. I but mean,
1: I wonder if we've been having them very much in this area at all this winter.
0: I know I know Tim Lynn's got them dis- displaying uh, at the typical spot. Really? Near. Yeah. They normally – so, I mean, normally I can get them displaying – I think it was really just for both cases a weather thing. Hmm. So, a little bit of rain which doesn't help and then wind cuz normally I get them displaying by December 15th at there's a spot about a mile down down the road here at on Pineville Road. Hmm. That that has them super we- regularly and also tonight the weather is fantastic and yeah. that place looks fantastic for solid owl so I'm probably yeah. going <laughs> to give it a shot. Yeah. Um
1: it seems like a good idea.
0: And then I probably needed to go do homework, but you know, mm. uh, <laughs> but yeah, all. I, that happened. And then I pulled into the high lot while it was still dark and off in the distance, I heard a single low hoot. <laughs> I don't know why it didn't like, regi- I also had heard that low hoot when I was making my, uh, coffee in the morning but i didn't like both times it didn't register as anything interesting i was just like that doesn't sound like our normal owls oh well i'm gonna keep going and then you know a couple hours later it came to me huh that came from a thick stand of cedars right next to a beautiful field (laughs) oh geez which is perfect long-eared owl (laughs) habitat and long-eared owl is a just great bird it's it's like a great great horned owl pretty much in appearance maybe a little more crisp and uh, but a lot smaller and so very 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 difficult bird to get
1: yeah they have one of the most extraordinary camouflages ever yeah uh, i've never seen one but from the people who have that i've talked to about them um they say that they have looked at one and lost it because it was so well camouflaged but um occasionally you can get them uh, in these thick cedar stands like he's saying um i think there's only one or two historical records in our area do you know of more than that or nope yeah it's one that i really want to find yeah that's this one that's a dream bird that would be great
0: so a lot of poking in cedar stands will probably happen so yeah, that's a yeah, it's fantastic, fantastic bird. That you know, I poked in that cedar stand later the day, and I, and or that day, and I didn't see anything. But it could have been. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I just I just I have no idea. Man. They I couldn't find. I found one one recording of them from the states in the winter at all. I'm pretty sure. So they're not. They don't call. Not very
1: vocal in winter.
0: Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, but you know, Hmm. doesn't discount it. But you know, who knows? It was a it was a low hoot that was not a great horned, or barred or anything. So, Hmm. a little painful, but yeah, that's
1: you'll remember that one for sure. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but you know, day went through the day. Um, Less ducks than normal, which has been apparently a trend.
1: Yeah, I I just saw today actually that uh Tennessee National Wildlife Refuge had mm-hmm. a, a big surge of waterfowl. Really? With is, with cold weather coming yeah, in with the cold front. So maybe we'll get a push of them here soon. Yeah. yeah.
0: The cold front coming in should be a r- good waterfowl numbers. A Ross's goose showed up farther north in the county. I haven't checked the roosting Canada's here thoroughly recently. Um
1: yeah, Ross's is a little bit less um, frequent in East Tennessee than West, uh, considerably less frequent. But yeah, Ross's goose is this tiny, very very cute, all white goose <laughs> yeah.
0: with a with a bill that looks like it just ran into a wall. <laughs> and it's just like a tiny little triangle of a bill. They're yeah.
1: they're really cute, honestly. Yeah, they are. They are. I think a bird that needs some recognition is one that has. Have uh, been very kind to you this winter um, for oh yeah what a month now or almost about
0: f- three weeks two and a half weeks so set the scene here I was at work or I hadn't started my shift yet but I was at High Point mm-hmm. just getting some stuff done I was working on creating tapes for my of, of Panama panamanian birds so i can learn those bird calls
1: yeah can you give us a, a great photo? uh um. i think you're better at that <laughs> let's hear it let's hear it okay <laughs> yeah i genuinely can't make the noise it's i yeah. want to hear your best shot and then i'll and then okay. i'll play
0: the noise through my phone uh, let's see
1: was <laughs> <How's> that oh <laughs> uh, let's let's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have that to look forward to, haunting your dreams in <laughs> Panama.
0: Yeah, if if I find one, I, if I found one on a roost apparently they're like yeah.
1: massive Holy birds. Cow. I would, that would be yeah. Talk about camouflage; those guys are insane. Just they like they dead are sticks. They're
0: nocturnal birds that are evolved to look like dead sticks and when they're roosting. And they actually even, they have a little notch in their eyelids so they can have their eyes closed and still see during the day. And yeah, they're like dead sticks on a branch and it's almost
1: invisible.
0: They're kind of creepy looking. Yeah. Are honestly. they
1: goat suckers or night jars? Did I think you know they're in there? the
0: same order, but a different family. Let me see. So they are in the order Caprimulga forms but they're in Nictibidae is the family. Hmm. And then, so let's say like our Whippoorwill is in uh, Cap- day is the family uh, in the order Caprimolga form. So it's the same same order, but a different family. Hmm. So related, but not. Yeah, not too close. Not too close. So, but anyways, I was yeah. <laughs> I was working on my... <laughs> Making this this recording and I looked down on my phone and through Birding App, which by the way, everyone download Birding App, you can go to BirdingApp.com. This it's, is a great app made by uh the one and only Tim Lens. Yep. And so
1: it's genuinely it's a genu- great
0: resource. It's it's fantastic. So I looked down on my phone and I got a notification through Birding App that said a list of birds from Baylor School. And I was first off I was well, I saw Cedron, which is the first bird I saw, and I was like, Oh, it's gotta be Baylor. I'm it's probably the only place in the county mm-hmm. that's gonna get a cedron over winter, and yeah, and then I looked the next bird down <laughs> was spotted tohi, which has been seen in the <laughs> yeah, which has been seen in the state twelve times or well-
1: eleven times before this bird yep. and so just about as rare as your I flycatcher. About exactly yeah. as rare. About exactly <laughs> as rare, yeah. <laughs> wow,
0: that's, that's cool. Um, they do hybridize with the eastern tohis, so I'm sure there's a, a couple records back in the, in the history of the state that are not pure. pure. Yeah. I think I've seen actually Maybe. a picture that was like, that's white at the base of the primaries, which, by the way, hmm. it would indicate a hybrid with eastern tohi, which is um, um, another species of tohi that's super, super common here. Yeah. So, yeah. But I got this notification, and I had to clock in. Yeah. It was one
1: nineteen. I remember the exact yeah. time. I had to clock in at 2 p.m. And... So it might confuse some listeners that you got a notification of a bird scene at Baylor uh, when you were not at Baylor, so... <laughs> that yeah. confused me. I was like, who is this
0: guy? It turns out uh, his name is Will Johnson, nice guy from Florida. Just graduated from Dartmouth, I believe, and...
1: Heck. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, so... A great birder and and he has family up here actually one of his his uncles is a guy named nick Boehm, who is my thesis research advisor here at baylor which is a wild connection and <laughs> so he he's able to get on campus and he was just birding it and he stumbled upon a spotted tohi which is goodness just crazy uh, so 12 state record farthest east record in the state i believe the first record for east tennessee hmm. Yeah, wow. But I got the record or the, or the report at one nineteen. Yeah. and I had to clock in, in 40 minutes Yeah, and I was at work and it's about a 10 minute drive, depending on how, how fast you're going. <laughs> so um,
1: probably six minutes for you. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was, I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. <laughs> and I, I walked up to my supervisor and I was like, please, 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 can I can I be thirty minutes late? Yeah, and she let me be thirty minutes late.
1: Thank goodness. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how I would uh, persuade uh, my superior to go let me chase a bird. Do you have any tips for that for our listeners? <laughs> uh, have really chill supervisors. Hmm. Just a, That's number one. Yeah, that
0: literally they're just super nice, and it it wasn't super busy. We had enough staff. It was just you know all those things. I was like, yeah. so she was just like, yeah, it's fine. Stars aligned. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and so I was able to get out there, and yeah, the the power line cut was pretty. It's on it's on this power line cut in the back side of campus. Um, actually, I rarely go back to that area for birding. I normally go back there because a little beyond that there is a huge amount of zigzag salamanders, mm. which. Yeah, pretty cool. I, I like. I'm like a salamander. What guy. do those look like? So they there's three color morphs, three ish. It's more like two. It's two of them kind of blend into each other. Yeah. But they are a species in the genus Plethodon. So think slimy salamander. That that genus. So they they don't really need a creek or anything, but they like. Uh, according to Ben, at least. So if this is wrong, we can blame Ben Holt for that. <laughs> they like areas typically that are, are are steeper and then more moist. That's like they are a salamander. They're lungless. And yeah. this particular salamander is at least. And so, yeah, they they are, the habitat is just perfect back there for them. And so they're about, I don't know, maybe a small, normal size salamander, a few inches long, or like, I don't know. This big. How big would this be? Uh,
1: three and a half inches long.
0: Roughly, in that, <laughs> yeah. in that range. And so they have striped and unstriped morphs. So the unstriped morphs are pretty much a dark gray-brown all over. And then the striped morphs are pretty colorful. So they can be like really deep bright red or like an orange, orangey wow. red, all the way up into bright yellow. So they're, they're pretty cool salamanders. That is cool. But yeah,
1: yeah. So instead of zigzag salamanders, this
0: times it was a it was a spotted tohi. But oh. I went out into the cut, flushed sparrows, but no tohis uh, Up and I was like pishing, and no response. So I was like, I have maybe three or four minutes. <laughs> I oh Jesus! What am I gonna do here? I, I walked. I up a little bit of bushwhacking up the, the side of the cut um, sort of in the forest too. Cause that makes it easier and got up to a point where I was like, that looks like there's going to be towhees hiding just some <laughs> thicker tangles. So towhees are a species of large sparrow <clears throat> and they're pretty skulky. And so they like these thick tangly areas. Mm. And so yeah, I went up there. I was like, that looks right. And in my last ditch effort, I played a little bit of mobbing sparrow tape, some just some angry sparrow sounds. I heard Eastern Tohis calling, but no spotted responded. Hmm. And then in came a couple of tohis. One of them was the spotted. Not giving Eastern calls by the way. For those that are <laughs> like, that's a hybrid. We've yeah. heard it call. It's a spotted solid. Yeah. It could have maybe a hint of Eastern genes in it somewhere, but there's like generations back generate it's pure enough to call it a spotted in my opinion and with people i've talked to it about so yeah female spotted tohi, but i only got like a one or two second look and then it flushed back when it saw me
1: i imagine some expletives were released (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, there
0: were there were a couple (laughs) people down at the base of the cut and uh i said something along the lines of we'll We'll bleep this and <laughs> and post, but something aligns the lines of holy <laughs> that's it, <laughs> y'all come up here and
1: uh oh my goodness
0: they they were no one else saw it that day. it was just me and uh the Man. original finder and then we went back out in the morning, a whole crew of people no one saw it we heard it I think in all on in all honesty, and I was part of the problem with this there was um, too much pishing going on where hmm. birds were just ending up not responding. Yeah. And then there was some tape being played. and
1: Because tohis are usually one of the most responsive, at least our Easterns are yeah. extremely I, responsive. I, the
0: spotted s- came fishing. up to, to the pishing when it was first found. Hmm. But I think it just so many people, and there's a lot of people talking and crashing around, and it yeah. got heard, and that was it. And it didn't get seen that day. And that was Christmas Eve. And that day I was like, this is not sustainable. Pe- so many people are going to want to see that. And then I got inspired by Ruben and Victor Stoll, who uh, a couple years back put out seed and had a spotted toe. consistently coming to that seed yeah. after it was found, they put out seed in that area.
1: And so yeah, I was so like, they found the bird, then put the seed instead of the other way around, which is how I figure most people usually find birds.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But- so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it out. And so I drove over to Walmart, got a bag of black oil sunflower seed, and just spread it along this trail. So the power line cut in this area. This trail cuts the woods and then straight into a power line cut, and then back into the woods. And it's right at the base of the in the valley of two hills in that power line cut. And so that spread it along the trail where the shorter grass was and then just left. I don't think anyone went back that day. Next day was Christmas. Celebrated the whole Christmas thing and so I was like, all right, it's yeah. enough time with my family. I'm going to go out and look for for some birds for a little bit.
1: Mm, the, the real Christmas spirit in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, the literally the first bird I put my binoculars on when I walked to the cut was the female spotted Tohe. Oh, Great exciting. looks. And so I then it, it flushed up. I walked back um, tucked myself in the woods. And then it came back down within 10 minutes. And yeah, it was crazy. It was Man. amazing. And so, yeah.
1: And you've consistently had seed out there ever since.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Pretty much. And uh, we just got done uh, chasing that bird again. Um, I I had not had a chance to go see it. And <laughs> yes. it was a lifer for me. So I had just added another lifer about an hour ago. So. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, very exciting. Thank you, Luke. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Will Johnson. Yeah, so, well, for the next week, <laughs> I ended up, I was a little bit, I would say, over-generous with my accepting people wanting to chase and be like, yeah, and very flexible with my times, which for a day or two is, is good, but after after a few days, it got really exhausting, honestly, mm. walking to the cut and then back and then to the cut, and you know. Yeah. So... I learned my lesson, and yeah. scheduled specific walks. Um, and yeah, and, well,
1: I, and this only has to happen because it's on Baylor's private campus. So yeah. So
0: like for a normal rare bird, that that's yeah. that's fine. But it's Baylor's almost ca-
1: like a uh, a yard bird for you in a way. It's like I you, probably you have to let people in your house. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I probably am on campus more than I'm at my house because yeah. I I literally. On campus pretty much seven days a week 12 hours average 10 to 12 hours it's a lot of it's it's a a lot lot of time time. (laughs) on campus but school pride see the thing is i don't have like the typical school spirit
1: (laughs) yeah but i i love this place so but i just don't love football yeah that's it's usually not what you see in the high school movies. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like, I love this place for the birds. Yeah. yeah
1: but and That's funny.
0: Yeah. It, it's like, I, you have to be with me. That's what the guards have told me. And consistently, honestly, people break that rule. So if you are a birder <laughs> in the Chattanooga area and you see a bird on Baylor's campus, like reported, just just email me, man. Most people are good. The vast majority of people are good, but there's a few people that do come on that give it a a bad rep. And it's, yeah, Yeah. it's, I have guards talk to me with relative regularity (laughs) and I really don't want to have to hide birds. So yeah, if you are a birder who lives in the Chattanooga area that ever wants to see a bird on Baylor's campus, just email me. It's super simple. And it's very, it keeps, keeps me out of trouble. keeps you out of trouble. makes the guards lives easier. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, but I had to pretty much be uh, what I've been saying is an unpaid guide for, for about a week, which is good experience for me, but it is, it's good prep. It's, yeah. it was, it was a little
1: bit exhausting for, yeah. you know, well, I, I imagine the exhaust, the exhaustion will only increase on your uh, Panama guiding in a way. But I think what made, this
0: exhausting is it was repetition of the same thing and I'm as birders go yes I like rarities but I more and more tend to like to appreciate like I don't care about my lists as much anymore except for the campus list yeah I love my (laughs) campus list but like stateless county list I don't really care at all Mm -hmm. and so I don't chase rarities unless it's something where I like feel like i i want to like study it a lot of the times like i i don't know like with the hudsonian godwit i'd only seen one or two of those so you know but like with stuff like a ross's goose i've spent a good amount of time with ross's geese right Right. but i i don't know it sometimes and i'm guilty of this too this this whole like obsessive listing chasing thing yeah like absolutely Mm -hmm. so this is slightly hypocritical but (laughs) I think there's something just unfulfilling in a way about this obsessive chase for rarities mm-hmm. without appreciating the bird for what it is and without
1: appreciating the yeah. common birds. Yeah, that's that's kinda always been my philosophy on the issues. If if birds just become a number, like I, I think they've lost their value, you know? And like what if you're just chasing birds to have your life list or your state list or your county list uh go up a tick i don't know that's just my opinion and yeah. I, not everyone has to agree with that of course but
0: i think it's so much more fulfilling if mm-hmm. you just spend time and if you do come across a rare bird or you chase a rare bird instead of looking at it and ticking it study it mm-hmm. and like i don't know something that struck me at the ancient merlet chase <sighs> was i went with my friend claire and we were pretty much the only two people like asking questions like what why is it here Mm -hmm. what will these effects and I'm sure some people had them in in their head this is not a full knock on birders or anything but there's a lot of this like obsession with the list more than anything else which Mm -hmm. I think discounts the birds themselves and makes the whole sport not sport hobby unfulfilling it makes it more like a sport when it's it's like that
1: I I think um, it's It's a little bit of a a balance, um, because competition does drive conservation for sure. Um, and we need these birds to have habitat and, um, resources conserved. So in a way we do, you know, want the competition, but we also want the appreciation that we've grown to have for these individual birds, um, and the behavior of certain species, and yeah, um, and even like taking time to watch a vagrant or any bird, um, instead of just getting a glance of it, If you sit down with it and really study it. You can learn more about um, other birds of that family, or just birds in general that might mm-hmm. assist you in looking for birds in the future. So, and I mean, it's, it's just interesting
0: to know. Yeah. I don't
1: know, and and some of the best birds birders that you'll ever meet are people that spend the most time with the birds absolutely
0: absolutely i don't know it just it it got to a point where it was like i kept seeing the same just desire to see rarity without any appreciation it felt Mm -hmm. like with a lot of the people which is I mean, no knock to them, really. It's yeah. it's natural, and I understand it. I used to be exactly that, yeah. but it got a little exhausting to be around after a week. All that to say, it was fantastic. It is yeah. fantastic to have a spotted tohi on campus. Like, it's pretty pretty incredible to to see that bird.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting the um the motives of different hobbyists. Yeah. because i i've heard this from other guides as well that um they might find a, a super rare bird um, mm-hmm. in their respective region for their group but it's not as pretty or you know outstanding as something else um and so people that might be more interested in photography are inherently going to be less interested. So I've heard a-, a story like that with, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was Charlie from
0: naturally adventurous. That's for me, my, my favorite birding podcast, I would say, or, mm-hmm. or one of them. It's up there. And he was in, I can't remember. I guess it was, he was in Borneo cause it was Borneo ground cuckoo. And mm-hmm. which is the ground cuckoos are the like, Holy grail of birding essentially they're impossible to see a lot of them and just a lot of the pretty birds, but just something about their mythical, they're super cool, big, um, big, just like roadrunner ish birds, I guess. It, yeah. Cause roadrunners are cuckoos. They're a little bit bigger and heftier, but mm-hmm. that he was with guiding a group of photographers and they heard it in the distance and he couldn't try and try and go for it because the photographers, mm, the light wasn't good. So yeah, it's interesting what
1: what drives. Yeah. And like, no knock to the photographers; it's no, just yeah. it's not their interest. So it's uh, it's just a matter of conflicting interests in some of um, yeah in, in the field sometimes.
0: And the, the same thing goes. No knock to people who are just obsessing over their lists. It's yeah. just for someone yeah. who who doesn't. Besides my campus list, which I'm trying to get a little <laughs> bit better at, it's probably past the point of of uh, a healthy obsession. Um, but sometimes it just could be a little bit exhausting but Mm -hmm. it it was cool and it was cool to get that experience and uh at this point i don't i think i have failed to show or not failed to show a single person the bird now that you've gotten it
1: yeah so yeah i think uh i think everyone has been satisfied with their free guide
0: yeah (laughs) i accept tips in the form of food (laughs) or money
1: for gasoline yeah. yeah.
0: I drink the gasoline. No, <laughs> uh, how it fuels me. It's like caffeine. And then I also, uh, got, so there was Cedron and Martian this December on campus, which is good. Got to see both of those. If they're still there, I'm not sure that we've had some rain and the, the water levels have, have been going up. So I'm not sure if they're, they're still there. I'm I'd be surprised that the Cedron is maybe it pushed out into a little bit more different habitat. Um, and just waited it out. But I'm not I'm not sure if they're still there. Hmm. But got those, and then I was talking to Will Johnson, the guy who found the tohi, and he was saying back down in Florida, they just worked the yellow rump flocks, and there's massive yellow rump flocks on Baylor's campus. Like, hmm. I, I reported 140 the other day, and there's probably double that or something like that no effort put into counting it's just ridiculous how many yellow rums there are so i was <laughs> i've been working those flocks a little bit and i got a wide-eyed vireo which is a very common breeding bird it's a it's really a beautiful bird actually if you sit down to yeah. appreciate it yellowy overall green flanks gray head and they have yellow spectacles and a and a white eye Yep, yeah. as the name, Hence implies. The name. Yeah, it, and that was the first record for Hamilton County in the winter, which is pretty incredible. They breed; they're really common breeders. But yeah, yeah, so that that was cool to see.
1: Yeah. So and that is just another um, incentive to sit down with the and study the birds a little bit more. I Cause agree. Like, it's not necessarily the most fun to stare at yellow-rumped warblers for hours, but um, it does give you a much greater chance to find the, the gold in between, you know, also Uh, I have been enjoying,
0: I found a little spot, uh, a little bit down in a little bit of a low spot. Um, there's a a loop of a trail on campus where most of these, or I wouldn't say most, there's so many yellow rumps on campus, but a lot of these yellow rumps are because there's a good amount of privet with the berries that they can eat. Mm -hmm. And I, I went off trail sort of into a low spot in the middle and there's an opening and I just have spent some time just sitting there and like, it's kind of cool to see both how the yellow rumps behave and then how like the whole mixed flock dynamic, just like sort of look at that hmm. like and, and see what is feeding where, how they're feeding and stuff like that. And like noticing the differences between yep. individual yellow rumps been actually honestly pretty cool. That, I've been enjoying it. That's awesome. It. Yeah. So.
1: I, I know that was one of the first, uh, major ecological studies in the 1950s. Was, really? Um, five different uh, species of warbler Um, and the aim of the study was to find out what portion of the canopy that uh, the different warbler species were occupying um, because they there was really no competitive nature between the species um, but they all occupied the same habitat Mm. um, throughout their entire migration and breeding grounds so Um, And one of those is yellow-rumped warbler. So definitely fun to see how these birds interact with each other.
0: Yeah, like orange-crowned warbler versus yellow-rump was was Mm. interesting. Orange-crowned is always kind of working less actively, low to the ground, sort of more methodical poking yellow-rumps all over the place, (laughs) fly-catching. Sometimes they'll sit and be eating berries, and they'll fly-catch. But, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, very neat. Also got uh, a gray catbird in that. That same area, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's an, on another
1: that. one of those that is a, a late bird now. Yeah,
0: that's a uh, closely related to uh, a mockingbird, and hmm. yeah, they breed here, pass through in migration, but only a couple winter records. Though they're probably much more regular than people really uh, appreciate, just because. Again, you got to sort of work the forest, which is maybe not the most interesting thing yeah. to work during the winter. But I love being in the forest, so, you know, no problem with it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I reckon it's about time to wrap up. Yeah. Um, we've had some good birding in the past few days, and we have some good birding ahead of us, I'm sure. So. Yeah, so what out, Yep. <laughs> we are going to really try and hit the owls hard uh, this winter so
0: yeah we set ourselves yeah. i guess we should should tell the people <laughs> yeah. we set ourselves a goal to see what was it 15 species of sparrows and, what, and seven species seven of owls, owls in <laughs> the state of tennessee this winter yeah so um
1: and since the new year we've seen i we believe have, 12 species of sparrows uh i don't know but we do have harris's and spotted towhee which, and Vesper Sparrow, I got Vesper Sparrow, which so is a couple good rarities there. Um, and we have a really good tip on Sawwet. Um, we thank you, Victor Stoll. Uh, yeah, we uh, we went up to the north portion of our county, and even into a neighboring county, and um, on accident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and had a uh, uh, a call in return to some playback we were doing, but. Um, it was windy it was very windy oh yeah yeah um so but habitat it, it, was perfect it did, yeah perfect habitat and uh, good chance that it was our target bird but we're gonna keep keep, 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 keep looking at it
0: so. and i'll probably give it a shot here i might snack some dinner on campus yep. and then give give the Solwet a a good old try there's some habitat not Uh, too far from here so Mm. fingers fingers crossed i get this this first hamilton county record i can finally have a a county first (laughs) to my name Yep.
1: but yeah yeah so some exciting uh sparrowing and owling ahead of us yeah we'll we'll keep you all posted absolutely but yep we uh we hope you all had a good new year yeah Uh, and happy 2024 yeah we'll we'll see y'all on the next one all right i'll see y'all